So I do want to thank uh, Chad for the last two weeks for bringing us the good news from our series. Um, and I want to thank Corey for uh, offering us this book about Jesus is not such a nice guy. And I started to reflect on, so why would we, why did we need to look at this? Why was this important? And I so saw it as attached to preparing for Advent. I saw it as a way to prepare for the coming of Jesus. Like we shouldn't go into the season without knowing what we're getting ourselves into. Because this will be an Advent like probably no other Advent we've ever had. And that sometimes we can get wrapped up in the other elements of Christmas and forget what a world-changing event Jesus' birth was, and not just for the people in Jesus' time, but also for us here and now. I wanted us to start a new church year with a fuller perspective of this baby that's going to be born unto us. We'll still talk about hope and peace and joy and love just like always, but maybe with more open eyes, with newer eyes. That we don't just love Jesus as a snuggly newborn, but also the challenging and scary and provoking man that he would become. So how can we hold this fuller image and picture of Jesus as we prepare in the next couple of weeks? We learned from his first, the first week, his reprimand of his disciples that they claimed to follow him but weren't honest about their own spiritual life. And he told them they had to have a strong spiritual foundation grounded in prayer like himself if they were going to live out their faith, if they were going to be able to follow him. And so it invites us this Advent to take a reflective look at our spiritual lives. Chad, just this week, in an insight over apparently shooting baskets, you never know when these things come to you, actually came up with a new method on how to gauge our engagement here. I love that for gauge our engagement. See what I did there? Thank you. Gauge our engagement here. And he came up with kind of three criteria for us to consider and think about. Uh, and they were participation and, hold on, participation, receiving, and giving. And when you talk about participation, we're doing it right now. Are we participating in worship, participating in a care group, participating in a Bible study, uh, how we're participating in youth group, participating in worship for wonder, worship and wonder. There are lots of ways to participate. Uh, the receiving, he talked about, are you receiving the newsletter? And I said, are you reading the newsletter <laughs> along with it? Which we found out we were because we got some amazing gifts from World Community Outreach. So we know that's happening. Are you receiving and engaging with the devotions that we send out each week? And apparently that's going to uh, go up a little this week with some Instagram and uh, a podcast. Um, do you volunteer and help with a ministry team or when needs come up, like with the little library that Marine or with uh, uh, Marie or with our blessing box? Um, those are ways to, um, and then last, to receive, but also in the giving. And that's not just tithing, but that's also with time and talent. How are you sharing those with the church? And these are ways that we can be grounded and reflect on our own spiritual lives. If there's anything that this time has reminded us of is how important that grounding really needs to be. But in the series specifically, we learned that in order to follow someone who's so divisive, that we need to be grounded in who he is and the message that he's asking us to live out. And one of the ways I think it can ground us, what it helps us to do, is to be able to act and speak truly and deeply in grace to one another. 
And the ability to do that, especially when we don't want to, when it's incredibly difficult, that that comes out of a life grounded in prayer and scripture and a community of people who show us what that looks like in flesh. He reminds us that to follow him, we have to do this kind of self-examination and confession and repentance. And in fact, the way Advent's going to be different might make room or space for us to do that in ways we haven't been able to in previous years, to rededicate ourselves to our church family, to our faith. In the series, we also learn that when we start to do that reflection and that repenting, I remember the first sermon I did, Jesus might start burning some stuff down in our lives. But we also learned that that's because he's trying to clear a path to make room for something entirely new to set up shop in our hearts, to grow in our faith, to grow here in our church and our own community. The virus has laid many things bare this year, things we've had to give up that we may not pick up again. And even though there are losses in the midst of that to grieve, it also leaves room for new ministries, new believers, new leaders to emerge. One of the ones I thought about was I, I miss visiting people and seeing them either, not that I like to see someone in the hospital, but I like to be in person with them, to be able to be present with them, to hug them at a funeral. But I have also learned the power of ministry that can happen over a phone call. Many prayers have been said over FaceTime or on my phone. And I don't want to lessen the fact that those also matter. I've seen the ways that our meetings have changed, being in person and online, in some ways for the good, they remind us how glad we are to see each other, but also to get to the business of church. I love our new blessing box. Chad's told me repeatedly he has rarely driven up the hill where he has not seen a car stopped outside of it, either people needing food or placing food in it. That we've created, again, another opportunity for us to care for our neighbors but also we've allowed them to participate in the joy of giving that we have already known here. I've been excited to see the ways that our ministry team, specifically, I was thinking about celebrations this week, has adapted and grown. World Community Outreach has, our music team has, the way that we've celebrated differently and yet still been able to celebrate. that in making room, we have not stopped caring for each other. I testified to it in my devotion, and I said it in the Connected this week, but I'll say it one more time, that our care for each other is real because I felt it, even all the way in Missouri. I felt like you were there with me in spirit, through every card and every call, in the wake of Tom's passing. 
but we know that there's still more caring that needs to be done in the coming weeks and months. The election last week showed us just how divided we are in blue and red, but I still believe deeply in my soul that as a church, we still have the opportunity to show how people can disagree and still love each other. That here we still know how to talk to each other with respect and compassion. That we can be the first and primary place where healing can happen because we follow a healer. So maybe this Advent, when we gather, whatever that looks like this year, more than ever we can have compassionate and meaningful conversations about the things that matter the most to us. Now, I also know that sounds like a lot for Advent. But Advent reminds us, as our series did, that it's not all up to us. That someday this small and cuddly baby will become a powerful force that is for us and is on our side. A power that can calm the storms and silence the winds when they overwhelm us. As Bruce used to remind me, Jesus is coming whether I'm ready for it or not. He's a force that cannot be stopped. His power is real to save us and humanity. And that that good news is still worth preparing and celebrating for. That the one who is coming to set us free, to lift the poor in pocket and in spirit, to offer blessing to those who mourn. Chad talked to us about how Jesus gets angry and it feels like a strange thing to feel during Advent. But he also pointed out to us the things that Jesus wants us to be angry about, to have righteous anger about that there are still injustices happening 2,000 years later. Advent invites us to act on that. How do we channel that anger about the injustices that are still happening? I said, I, I went to my Hoosier Action meeting this week to channel mine against injustice. I know the elders will continue to dive into difficult issues this year that churches and church leaders should be wrestling with. We learned in those discussions that even if they make us uncomfortable and angry, we can do both and come out stronger and still loving each other. I know we're all in different places about different issues, but what is it that makes you angry that the holiday season will highlight? How will it spark our generosity? How will it spark us to action so that we turn our generosity into sustainable change? And last week, Chad talked about how Jesus was not going to be a family man, man in the most strict sense. That he wasn't going to abide by the traditional ideas of family where people have specific roles and privileges based on their gender or their birth order. 
It seems appropriate in a year where we have been made so clear that we are part of one human family. Jesus keeps inviting us to draw the circle that we call family bigger and bigger and larger and larger. Because saying family doesn't mean people just like us. Because the Bible and God have absolutely never been about that. We know that God calls and loves and heals and protects the faithful. The ones we least expect. The ones we find most surprising. Jesus says, make the circle bigger. Make the family larger. Always try including first, fully as people are. Not the way we wish them to be because God has already done that for us. So this Advent, who will we extend an invitation to that we wouldn't have normally? Who will you invite to watch worship online or send a devotion to that you never have before? Who might you invite to Sunday school or the men's group? Who will you send a Christmas card that you've never thought of reaching out to before? Or a Zoom call dinner with someone you have never eaten with before? Who may need it more this year than ever? The Jesus that's about to be born to us is divisive and scary, powerful. He challenges us in the ways that we've always done it. He's about setting free the audacious love of God to everyone. He's also going to be born a snuggly baby. He's also the light of the world. He's also your good shepherd. He is still the true vine that can produce faithful fruit even in 2020 and 2021. So this is how we will get prepared. By being aware and clear of this fuller, clearer, maybe more faithful version of Jesus who will be born into this world. This Christmas is going to be different than any other year. Might be a bit simpler, might be a bit quieter. But maybe that will allow us to make more room for all of Jesus, not just the nice parts. 